that land. And even though they weren't taking care of what God had given them in this last in this last half of chapter 17, and that's what we're going to focus on. The first half is a very similar. It's talking it's talking about names and birthdays, and we're not going to focus on that. We're just going to focus on uh, this last paragraph section from 12 to 18 to the end of the chapter. Look at verse 13. It came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute. We saw that, but did not utterly drive them out. Uh, they had a better plan than God's plan. And verse 14, And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto? Now, isn't that just like people? God's given them something, God's blessed them, and they say, We want more! We want more! You just, you just you want to slap them in Christian love, don't you? And Joshua answered, If... If thou be a great people, then get to work. <laughs> Go do something. And then get thee. Get thee up to the wood country. Cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants. If, if Mount be, Ephraim be too narrow for you, you've got lots of place. Get up there and get to work. God, God didn't cheat you. Get up and get to work. And the children of Israel said, the hill, the hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land, they have chariots of iron. Uh, both they and uh, who are of Bethsaida and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim, and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is wood, and thou shalt cut it down. What is he say? Get to work. Just get to work. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Just get to work. Great, great, great lesson this evening. The entitlement mindset versus the God-dependent mindset. And we live, I understand this is a counter-cultural message. We live in a day of entitlements. People, Christian people come to me and say, uh, Pastor, uh, we're, um, my, my parents, uh, they, they're, they're spending my inheritance. Kids, you hear me? That's your parents' money. And if they want to leave you a McDonald's card, you should say thank you. <laughs> if they don't leave you anything, But a heritage and salvation, you, you are blessed beyond measure. I talked to a Christian man uh, several years ago, and uh, he, uh, and over and over and over again, and uh, he, I, I don't know, they moved away from here, I don't know, probably 14 years ago, but he, uh, he, he was complaining, 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 and I said, no, no, listen, 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 listen. And, and finally he said, I, I guess my, my financial plan is not a good plan. No, your financial plan's not a good plan. His, this, is his, this was his plan to financial prosperity. For mom and dad to die sooner than later so he could have more money. They were spending too much money. They were living too long. Caitlin's going, she doesn't have a problem with that. <laughs> entitled. We, we're entitled. We, we think that everybody owes us. We think our parents owe us. They owe us cell phones and and. Designer clothes and all that. Your parents don't owe you anything. 
I see several children rolling their eyes and saying, Dad, don't, don't listen to the preacher. <clears throat> this is what the entitlement mindset says. We'll do some comparisons. The entitlement mindset says, God is not good enough. He has not given me what I want. Now, look at this. The child, verse 14. The children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given us but one? They should have said, Thank you. Thank you. But instead, they said, why? We want more. We want more. And that and that's the entitlement mindset right there. It's not a new thing. Again, God has not is not good because God has not given me what I want. The entitlement mindset says, God is not able to take care of me, so I must put myself and my needs first. So that's the child that says, uh, Dad, Mom, you guys are living way too long. You need to die because we need your money. Instead of saying, no matter what my parents do, my God is going to supply my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, we have an entitlement mindset rather than a God mindset. And that's what Joseph's got going on here. And, and Joshua says to them, if you be great, get to work. Stop whining about what you don't have. Be thankful for what you do have and claim the ground that God has given you. And many times we don't. The entitlement mindset says, I must have certain things or the acceptance of certain people to meet my, and I, 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 I put in parentheses in my outline, perceived needs. A lot of times, those, those needs aren't even needs. They're, they're wants. I want, want, want this. Versus, here's the God mentality. What God has given me is what I need and what is best for me, even though I don't fully understand. And let, let me read that again. What God has, the God-centered mindset says, what God has given me is what I need. what I need. What God has given me is what is best for me, even though I may not fully understand that. See, we think, as the children of Joseph think, that we would be a lot better off if we just had a million dollars. Several of you went, oh, it would be better off if I had a million dollars, but maybe you wouldn't. You want to do an interesting study, uh, just go home and, and uh, sit down at uh, any search bar and say, what has happened to people that have won the lottery? And you're going to find that that doesn't solve your problem. It just creates a whole other set of problems. The God focus says, God is with me. Therefore, I don't need to be afraid or to live selfishly. What does that mean? That enables you... To give. At offering time, when the offering plates come around, there are Christians that say, God is with me, therefore I don't need to be afraid to trust Him with the tithe. And they put that in. There are other Christians that sit in the room and say, God only gave me one portion, I needed two, and God has given me two, I give him one, but God hasn't given me two because I'm not going to give him one. And they don't give because they don't trust God. I talked to a man just recently. He said, uh, uh, Pastor, uh, 
uh, you're never going to believe this. Now somebody goes here to church, but he calls me pastor. He said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. He said, but I've struggled with tithing. And he said, I just got that right with God. I just gave up and said, Lord, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know how it worked. But I know it's commanded in your word, and I know it has been commanded in your word, and I'm just going to do it. And uh, he said, I'm going to make up for uh, whatever was, was lost behind. And, and so he wrote a check for that amount and put it in the offering plate. The next day, or two days later, sometime early in that week, he opened up the mail, and there was a check for the exact same amount as what he'd put in the offering. And he called me up. To say, hey, I just, I just want you to know that this just happened in my life. And you have, years ago, when, when he was here, he said, years ago, you told me this, and I just, I just struggled with that. But a God focus says, I trust God. And I know that God's going to meet my needs. And so it enables me to give. It enables me to invest in others. It enables me to give my time, my talent, and my energy, knowing that you can never outgive God. My dad says, God has no debtors. He's a debtor to no man. You can't possibly outgive him. A God focus says Jesus Christ and what he chooses to give me is ultimately all that I need to find fulfillment. And you listen to that. Jesus Christ and what he chooses to give me is all that I ultimately need to find fulfillment. Uh, listen, fellows, you, you don't need a gal half your age in order to find fulfillment. The life that God has given you is all that you need to find fulfillment. You say, well, she's got issues with me. Well, she, she, she does have issues with you, and if you'd fix those, then she wouldn't have issues with you, and you'd be a whole lot better off. You'd pay attention. You don't need a new wife, because the next wife's going to have issues with you, too. God focus versus an entitlement focus. So here, in Joshua chapter 17, the children of Joseph were justified, but they were dissatisfied. And there's a question. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Justified, just as if I had never sinned, but dissatisfied with what God has given you in life. Thinking that you deserve better. Why me? Why not? Why this? Seriously? There are lots of people that have lots of problems. Canaan is a picture of what ought to be in the life of the Christian. The fullness. Christian, giving a task to do, fighting in the warfare, claiming the ground that God has given you. You've got plenty of ground to work in your own life. Get to work. And you can come to me and you can talk to me about the weeds in my garden. I'll tell you, my garden has weeds and I'll, I'll, I need work on them and I do work on them. But... Uh, you got weeds in your own garden. So don't talk about my weeds. you got your own weeds. Go weed your garden. Get to work. Joshua said, get to work. Get to work. Canaan is a picture of warfare. Uh, certainly. Absolutely. I'll agree with you on that. And it should be. The life is warfare. But the life with warfare comes victory. Victory over the flesh. Uh, victory over those passions. Victory over that mindset that says, God has not been good enough to me. I need more. I need more. I need more money. I need a, another wife. I need another car. I need a bigger house. I need, and the list goes on and on and on. Oh, we sing the song, stand up for, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal manor. It shall not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Are you going from victory to victory? Or from defeat to defeat? Loss to loss? Are you following Christ? 
Or are you doing what they did in the previous verse, verse 13, uh, putting sin to tribute? Making money off of a sinful lifestyle. Putting the flesh to tribute. Making money off the flesh. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that make money off the flesh. It's in the news every single day. But it doesn't mean that you should. You're a Christian. You name the name of Christ. I have a Christian friend. Uh, Miss Bishop and I have been long enough. We've seen lots of people, lots of people. uh, It's hardly uh, an hour of a day that goes by that somebody from the past uh, doesn't reach out to me and say, Hey, Pastor, how you doing? Or, Hey, praying for you today. Or, uh, I was sitting, uh, uh, Brother Stever was sitting, sitting, sitting down this week, and he was having a scone, and he and I would get together for coffee and a scone while he was here. He made the coffee, he made the scone. All I had to do was uh, show up, and uh, uh, they, they were good. And he said, I'm eating one of those scones. And he said, and I'm thinking about, I'm thinking, I'm praying for you. Uh, and so, so, so people do, they reach out. And some people reach out when they're in times of victory. Some people reach out when they're in times of defeat. And that's a privilege to stand with someone when they're going through a difficult time. But it is wrong on many levels, Christian, to look down your nose at others when they're going through a difficult time and not take care of the weeds in your own garden. It is the height of hypocrisy to be unbending towards the faults of others and then feel entitled that you deserve the help, the praise of others when you're going through a difficult time yourself. The Bible says you reap what you sow. If you want tenderness when you're going through a tough time, you might want to give a little tenderness. And I'll just say, as we get older... That does not get easier because we get a little bit more irritable as we get older and less tolerant as we get older. But we want people to be respectful of us. Respect my gray hair. Then, then you should show a little respect yourself. Apostle Paul put it like this to the church of Galatia. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. So, where's Theo? Invest in eggs. You want to make money? Invest in eggs. Because the cost of eggs are up. Invest in eggs, egg producers, egg feed, egg pellets, egg distribution. You're going to make money, right? And that's what it's all about, making money. You want to be preferred? Make money off the airlines? There's an article out there. I'll look for it after the service. A guide to getting bumped. And they'll pay you to get bumped, to sit out, to wait for the next flight. And so... Brother O, just plan that in your vacation. Just add an extra four or five days, and uh, you, you can make some serious money off of getting bumped. Uh, you can read about stocks. 
Climate. Invest in the climate because everybody seems to be, that seems to be the rage today. Sin City. Flesh. Investing in the flesh. Just having a fleshly mindset. Me, me, entitled. More, 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 more. Whether it be eggs or stocks or airlines. Sin City used to be Las Vegas. Where it was open. Illicit activity. And now it's D.C. Baltimore. Chicago. Broad daylight. It's not safe to take your kids. You've got to cover their eyes. Sin out in the open. But that's sin, and that's sinners. But we're Christians, and we name the Christ. We name the name of Christ. We ought to be different. We should not be as lot, we mentioned this morning. As, and, and when we go to witness to our loved ones, it is as though we mock because we don't live the Christian life. We live in defeat. We live in loss. We live complaining, why me, why now, why this, why always me, why does this happen, God needs to give this to me, and I'm not satisfied with that, and we complain, and we moan, and, and Joshua says, stop it, get to work, go to work, claim the ground that God has given you, parent the children that God has given you, teach the class that God has given you, work the bus route that God has given to you. Stop messing in everybody else's yard. Stop saying, if I had their yard, I, I, if I had their green grass, I'd be a better lawn keeper. No, no, you wouldn't because you'd ruin that lawn just like you ruined your lawn. The problem is not the lawn. So Christians say this. Pastor, I know it is wrong, but... Seriously? Don't, don't put the butt in there. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't do it. But, but... But, and, and pastor, don't, don't tell me uh, that, that it's wrong. And don't, don't preach to me and don't judge you. And as I said this morning, I'm not the judge. I'm just a witness. My job is to tell you what the Bible says. You can take it or leave it. Accept it or reject it. And that's when it comes to salvation or any other Bible truth. My job is to proclaim the truth. And it's sad that often I have to remind people that it is my job to proclaim the truth. It is my job... To tell you what God's Word says. It's my job. It's what I'm supposed to do according to God's Word. Not what makes you feel good or what is going to help build up your self-ego. The problem is not the preacher. The problem is the heart. This morning we talked about Haman. He thought the Jews were a problem. Jews weren't a problem. Haman had a heart problem. This morning we talked about Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, you know, I'm going to kill all the babies. The the problem was not the babies, and it wasn't the Israelites. The problem was Pharaoh had a heart problem, and he hardened his heart. Herod said, I want to stay on the throne forever, and so I'm going to kill all the babies. uh, To eliminate Christ. Herod, you need Christ. You need salvation. The problem is not God. Problem is the heart. So Joshua just says, just get to work. But we feel powerless. We, verse 12, we could not drive them out. Verse, uh, verse uh, 16, the hill is not enough. They've got chariots. They're made of iron. God can't give us a victory in that. 
But God can, and God has, and God will. And so they put them the tribute, verse 13. They were dissatisfied, verse 16. They're discontented, not enough. This is a classic text of the entitlementality of what we experience in 2024. And it's not biblical to expect something more from God than what He has given you. To demand that God treat you differently or give you more money or a bigger inheritance or a bigger house or a bigger anything. Godliness with contentment is still great gain. Again, the the entitlement mentality is nothing new, but the cure is not new either. Verse 15, if thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country. Get up there and get to work. Don't wait for everything to be perfect before you serve the Lord. Don't wait for your voice to be perfect to sing in the choir. Because your voice is not going to be perfect. And Brother Monday will tell you, the older you get, the more your voice degrades. And you get... So, we'll still let you sing in the choir. But we'll, we'll probably... Tell you to tone it down just a little bit. You're not blending. <clears throat> and, and, but people do that. They, you know, I'm going to wait to, to serve the Lord till I'm 50, 60 years of age. And your voice is shot. Your body is shot. It's hard to get up and down the stairs. It's hard to do anything. Hard to come on a work day. Joshua said, get to work. Get to work now. Some of you teenagers, you're going to wait to serve the Lord until you're 52. And, and you're not going to do it. Serve the Lord today. Talked to a person just recently, and they said, uh, I'm hungry. Will you feed me? I said, Brother Ray, I like this. I said, every Saturday morning, we have a free breakfast right here at the church. Now, they're unsaved, right? You come to breakfast, and I'll sit you down with one of our guys. And we have a, we have a, a little devotional in the service. And what, what are you going to do, preacher? I'm going to get him here. I'm going to feed him. I'm going to sit him next to a soul winner. And that they might not go out soul winning that day. We're going to reap a harvest right here in the pew. I'm starting to, I think that's a great idea. Uh, fill, fill the pews up on Saturday morning with unsaved people. <laughs> we'll feed them and then we'll preach at them. <clears throat> get to work. Why? 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Philippians 4, 13 is still in the book. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You don't need a different mom and dad. You don't need a bigger paycheck. You don't need a bigger bank account. You need more godliness. Get to work. Claim the land that God has given to you. The entitlementality would look at this passage of Scripture and they would title it Sinking in the Promised Land or Stinking in the Promised Land as opposed to Get to Work. Joshua's got a different title than Joseph has. So what happened to the children of Israel? Over and over again, and it's, and it's playing out right here. They, they did it when they left Egypt. They did it while they were in Egypt. They did it when they left Egypt. They did it in the 40 years of wilderness wandering. What was that? This is what the entitlementality does to you. It makes you feel disappointed, underappreciated, undervalued. When disappointment occurs, complaints begin. When complaints kick in, disobedience and conformity sets in because you say, well, I can't do what God wants me to do because, and we give a a reason that is not biblical, and then we are disobedient, 
and then we fall under God's judgment. And that is a pattern in the book of Judges. Joshua, they're supposed to go to victory. But in Judges, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord nor the works that he had done, and they have a pattern of entitlement pattern of disobedience, that God blessed them, then they had a lack of appreciation, and then complaints, and then turned to sin, and God had to put them under bondage. It just goes around and around, judge after judge after judge. God had to, to bring them back from this mentality. And God is not going to treat us any differently in our life. This is interesting. Now, you can fact check me after the service. Go to the brilliant historical minds in the room. Go to Brother Oldenburg. Uh, go to Brother, uh, Brother Dam, the younger, uh, better looking. Go to the older, more mature, seasoned Brother Dam. Uh, go to Brother Monday. And uh, they'll tell you this. These are, these are experts in United States history. Are you ready for the Monday? Are you ready for this? The, the vast majority of our history in a nation, nobody got anything from the federal government except for their mail. You, you hear me say that again. For the vast majority of American history, the average American citizen did not get anything from the federal government except their mail. We, are, we have become an entitled society where the kids think, seriously? Free lunch? Free before care? Free after care? Free cell phones? What is that? That's entitlement. That's, that's not what America was. Up to World War II. And then things started kicking in. Now everybody thinks that everybody owes them something. You hear me? It's not biblical. And it's unsustainable. And it leads you to disappointment and discontentment and God's judgment. Dependent upon government versus dependency on God. Government dependency versus God dependency. And he, again, it's not, nothing new. Joshua is saying to the people, you're a great people. You have the same power available to you that everybody else does. Go to God. Get God's blessing. Get God's power. Get up to the land that God has given you and get to work. Claim the land. Raise the children. Work the work that God has given you to do. And the neat thing about working, when you're working hard, you don't have time to complain about everybody else. The worker will say, how do they have time to do that? I don't have time to do that. Why? Because they're busy working. They don't have time to get caught up in the drama. Because they're busy working. Work. Government fails. Government programs will fail. There's only one person that's not going to fail, and that's God. God never fails. But we are. We're dependent upon government. Government assistance, Pell Grants. Uh, I, I come from a farm. But I tell you what. Government paid my dad not to grow crops. What? Yeah. 
Yeah, government programs that pay farmers not to grow corn. Social Security. It's all is a dangerous, dangerous trend. Welfare state, America, versus a God-dependent state. For again, the vast majority of our of our the, our nation's history, we were a God-dependent nation. Now we are a government-dependent nation. It is estimated that 49% of U.S. households receive some type of government benefit. That's a 2012 number. Welfare state versus God-dependent. Welfare versus God-fair. President Obama stepped in and he said, you know what? Uh, We're not going to make you work for welfare. This book says you don't work, you don't eat. You tell me who's got the better program. How's that working for us? Not working well. Not working well. well what, what, what do you need to do? What do I need to do? We need to determine, each one, we need to determine that we are going to follow God. We're going to follow God's word. We're going to follow God's mandate. And no, you don't need a pastor to tell you what to do. Because you've got a God that tells you what to do. And it's right here. But if you think God is going to tell you different than his word, you're living a dream world. God's will, God, God's will is never contrary to God's word. Never, never, never. Who will you be? Who will you determine to be? Are you going to be the, the, the person that you are at this moment? Or are you going to look at your life tonight and say, God helping me, I want to be the person that God wants me to be. You Think about the weeds in your garden. Do you want them there a year from now? Because all they're going to do is grow and multiply. Root them out. Get rid of them. And be the person that God wants you to be. Be the person that God empowers you to be. In Christ, in the Spirit, is a powerful combination versus in the flesh, in the moment. You, you're a hothead. You, you exploded. Pastor, I was in the flesh, in the moment. That's, that's sin. Stop being in the flesh and in the moment. And walk in the Spirit. And you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Because why? In the moment, you could be evil. You are capable of any sin that is mentioned in this book. If you take your eyes off Christ. And don't compare yourselves to others. Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, For we dare not, we dare not, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. What, what should we do? Compare yourself to Christ. Well, preacher, Christ is perfect. Yeah, and you don't measure up. That'll help you get things right. Preacher, I'm not as bad as... That's a terrible thing to say. You missed the point. You've embraced an entitlement mentality. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. He'll show you the person that you are. He'll show you the evil that you could be. 
But he'll also show you the possibilities that you are in Christ. You don't need government program. You need God. You don't, you don't need government welfare. You need God. You need God's blessing. Manasseh failed to reach their potential. What they could have been. Joseph, Joseph failed to reach their potential. They could have. If they walked in the spirit. And the list goes on and on and on. Failed to possess. Plenty of excuses. Stop the excuses. Stop the blaming. Get to work on your Christian life. Brother Mark and I went out to coffee a week ago at McDonald's here in Rose Hill. We're sitting there enjoying two senior coffees. The two of us can have coffee for $1.89. It's great. And uh, when, you go out for, when I go out for coffee with Brother Mark, he beats me there and buys the coffee. And uh, so pray for Brother Mark. Uh, he's taking donations after the service. But we're there at McDonald's. And we're trying to have a conversation. And, you know, McDonald's down at Rose Hill... Uh, d- during the day, kind of an older crowd. Not that, not that we are old. No, yeah, not you especially, right? <clears throat> so, so we're in there with the old crowd, and then Mark Twain school lets out. Now, Mark Twain is what a mile up the road, but it takes him about 16 minutes to get from Mark Twain to McDonald's, and and they were they were there. I mean, there was just a boatload of them there a week ago Thursday. And I tell you what, the minute they walked in, they were loud, they were cantankerous, uh, they were, there was some uh, tomfoolery going on. And <clears throat> uh, Friday, the day after we were there, Brother Mark, uh, they had a big fight there. And they had all kinds of police there. We missed all the excitement. <clears throat> and so uh, this Thursday, I reached out to Brother Mark, and, or Brother Mark reached out to me and said, Coffee McDonald's, uh, race you there. And so we're racing over there, we get over there. And I'm sitting there, I got there first. So I had to buy coffee. Dollar eighty nine. That's how I know how much it is. And so I I bought Brother Mark coffee and we're sitting down there. And as I'm sitting there waiting for him to get there, I look up and they've got these uh, uh, signs posted from the manager. And the signs say. Managers determined that the young people are coming in and they're getting engaged in foolishness and uh, uh, destroying things. And so now at the Rose Hill McDonald's. No more than four teenagers, young people, are allowed in there at a time. And if there are four, you have to have an adult. And if you have uh, two adults, then you could have eight. And if you have three adults, then you could have... You guys still qualify for that? I think so. I think the Myers family still qualify. You got two parents? I'm trying to do the math here to see if you guys can go to McDonald's anymore. And, and And then I read that the manager posted that in July of 2023. It's probably going on a year. What, what's the problem? Not obeying the rules. It, it's, it's not a McDonald's problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a Mark Twain problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a parent problem. It's a heart problem. And the solution is get to work. Come to Christ. Justified, but dissatisfied. Maybe that would be a better title. Joshua says the cure is just get to work, walk in the Spirit, claim your ground, stop complaining. God has been good to you. Embrace God's goodness. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, Joshua. I thank you for the example of Joseph, Manasseh, that you gave us here in this text. I pray that we'd be mindful 
The problem is not you. The problem is our heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here tonight, you're a Christian. You say, preacher, God has spoken to my heart some area in my life that I have been discontented with God over what he has given to me. And I'm going to leave that at the altar tonight. Preacher, you pray for me. I get something right tonight. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of business. Okay, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for Christians who are sensitive to the Spirit and reject Satan's entitlement mindset. They're just going to claim ground. They're going to address the sin. They're going to get weeding in their garden. And they're going to be thankful for what you have given to them. They're not going to wish for more or wish for more blessings. They're going to get down on their knees and thank you for what you've given to them, for the mind that you've given them, for the opportunities that you've given them. And they're going to make the best of what you have given, not always demanding or thinking that the solution to their happiness is going to be more, 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 more. Because it's a pipe dream. It's not Bible. And it's not spiritual. Help us to walk in the Spirit. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here without Jesus Christ. We had two this morning without Christ, seeking solutions to sin. Christ is the answer. Here tonight, say, Preacher, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? Slip your hand up. Hold it up. Let me pray for you tonight. Is there one? Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The piano playing. The altar is open. I'll take care of business.